0: have a world that we're living in right now that wants to rob us continually of the peace that we can have in the Lord. And even as Christians we find ourselves getting distracted, getting overcome by the cares of this world, the things of this world, the things that will rob us of joy, the things that will rob us of peace, And I think if we were to consider the uh, time of this year, Christmas time, it's a time of peace because the Prince of Peace came into this world. But I was looking at a verse out of John 16, verse 33. These are words that Jesus gave to his disciples. He says, these things I have spoken to you. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Our peace. The Prince of Peace. And if you've come here this morning overcome with things going on around you. Distractions that are around you. I encourage you this morning to turn your eyes to the Prince of Peace because he'll overwhelm your heart. When's the last time you've been overwhelmed in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Some of you might not even know what I mean by that. To be overwhelmed with the Lord's presence in your life, to be overwhelmed in your heart with the joy that you know him and that he knows you. Just overwhelmed in his presence. Just being able to come here and worship. And being overwhelmed as you worship the Lord. It's real easy for our hearts just to get off. And we find ourselves distracted and overcome. And so I I pray this morning that the Prince of Peace will overwhelm your heart uh, even this morning. We have one other announcement I wanted to share. Um, We've been working, uh, a number of us here at the church have been working on a room that is down the hallway here uh, that we're calling, we're going to call it the Koinonia Cafe. And we have a room that we've uh, set up right past the drinking fountain right there on your left uh, that is gonna be open now after service on sunday so you'll be able to go in there have your cup of coffee we've been doing it downstairs and we'll still for when the weather's permitting the kids are going to be outside some of the parents might want to be downstairs to watch their kids but we're going to have a place up here not just for coffee after service but we're going to start having like our men's bible study is going to meet in there and maybe if we have any women's gathering or women's bible study if we move it here to the church We might have it in there, prayer meeting in there. So we have another room. And um, so after service today, it'll be open. That's where you can go, have a cup of coffee today. If you're going to get bread, you can go downstairs if you uh, want to take anything away from that. So with that said, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 to 10 this morning. I titled this morning's message, The Beast Rises from the Sea. This is the really the first time now, as we've been going through the book of Revelation, that we're now going to come into this chapter that is going to speak about the beast. He's also referred to as the little horn In Daniel chapter 7, he's referred to as the prince that shall come in Daniel chapter 9. He's referred to as the son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. He's referred to in Daniel 8.23 as the king of fierce countenance. And there's other names and descriptions, actually quite a bit, that have been given to the beast that we're going to read about from chapter 13. And we're going to see him even going on as we go through this book of Revelation. It's interesting, even as Pastor Kyle was sharing just about this time of year, Christmas time. Christ has come. And when we consider that we're in the 13th chapter with Christmas on the horizon here, we have this topic this morning about the Antichrist, as he's referred to. Did you know that it's only the Apostle John that used that term Antichrist? Which is a name, really, that he attributed to a man, I believe, a man that is going to be in opposition to Christ. He's going to be, and by definition, instead of Christ. And here we have the Christ that came into this world, the Prince of Peace, the one who came as the Christ, the Messiah. And here we have the opposite of. The Antichrist or as we're going to read this morning, the beast that rises from the sea. When you think about that, just the beast, what a name to be given to a man. Referred to as a beast. And when you think of a beast, you think of something that is terrible. You think of something that can bring harm. You think of, and really that's what Satan does, doesn't he? And we, we're going to see that even the dragon that we read about in chapter 12, that fiery red dragon who is Satan, a description of Satan referred to as the fiery red dragon, is going to be the one who at some point... Is going to possess the beast. He's going to be indwelt by Satan himself. I don't think I I wouldn't want to be up against that, at least without Jesus Christ. But the beast that's going to come on the scene, and again, we're in this uh, parenthetical chapter, chapter 13, we're still in the middle of the tribulation period but these parenthetical chapters can actually span some time the beast doesn't necessarily come on the scene in the middle of the tribulation we know the beast is going to come on the scene really at the beginning of the tribulation when he makes a covenant and a peace agreement with the nation of Israel and he's going to come on as a man of peace he's going to have a peace agreement that many in this world are going to buy into, and particularly the, the nation of Israel. We read in verse 3 of a, chapter uh, 12, it says, Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads, and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. Last week, we spent time looking at the dragon, the dragon that persecuted the woman, the woman being Israel, who gave birth to the male child, which I believe is Jesus Christ. But the woman was given those two wings and like a great eagle and that she might fly into the wilderness. We talked about how God is going to preserve and protect a remnant of his people during this tribulation period that's going to come upon them. He's going to nourish them. For three and a half years, they're going to be in a place we might call a place of refuge where God is going to protect His people whom He loves. And not because of their faithfulness, but because God is faithful to them. And that's important for us to remember. We come now to the 13th chapter where John's vision continues. It continues on a a sandy shore there on the island of Patmos. Remember, John was exiled to the island of Patmos by the Romans for the testimony which he held. He's there on this sandy shore looking out over the Aegean Sea. And then the vision continues that God gives to John John sees this beast rising up out of the sea. A wild beast. A dangerous, we might say, animal that he sees rising up out of the sea. Look at your Bibles, chapter 13, verse 1. Then I stood, and that word then is important because it tells us that What John is seeing is continuing on into chapter 13. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his horns there were ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. It's interesting that what we read in verse 3 of chapter 12 about the fiery red dragon is that he also having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. And what we're going to see is Satan, the red dragon, and the Antichrist, and they're, they're working together, or we should say the Satan working through the Antichrist is working very closely together. John sees this beast rising up. It says that he saw, and I believe that he is really getting a vision of this. He's he's literally seeing something as the Lord allows him to see this coming up out of the sea. This beast having seven heads, which we might say are the seven kingdoms. It has ten horns, which are the ten kings according to Revelation chapter 17, verse 12. And on those horns upon his head, there's these ten crowns or these ten diadems that are upon these horns on its head and on its heads, plural, a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And we're told the dragon gave him his power, his throne. And great authority. He's getting his power and authority. From the dragon. From Satan himself. You see that's what Satan will do. Even Judas Iscariot the night that he was betrayed. That Jesus was betrayed. We're told that Satan entered in. To Judas Iscariot. The Antichrist, the beast, he's referred to as the son of perdition. And so was even Judas Iscariot. Perdition means, the son of perdition means a mind that is given a test and fails. But this dragon was given power, his throne, and great authority. Make note of that word, great authority. We're going to see it as we go through this. And I saw one of his heads, verse 3, as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon, here it is again, who gave authority. To the beast and they worship the beast saying who is like the beast who is able to make war with him and he which I believe is the antichrist was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and he was again given authority to continue for 42 months how long is that three and a half years. Verse 6. Then he, that's the Antichrist, opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints. And the saints here, as I brought out in chapter 12, I believe, is not the saints, meaning the saints of the church you're a saint according to Paul in the book of Ephesians this saints here is referring to the Jew to make war with the saints and this is how I know that and to overcome them to make war with the saints and to overcome them who is he that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Christ do you believe that Jesus is the Christ the messiah of Israel if you have come to believe and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your lord and messiah he's your one then you are an overcomer here it says the saints that he makes war with the saints and to overcome them You see, as I've shared and been sharing all along, Israel is a focal point. Israel, the nation of Israel, is in the crosshairs of the Antichrist, of Satan himself. But we also know that it tells us in 1 John 5, 4, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Our faith. If you are born again, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ to save you, then you are already an overcomer. Will you ever be overcome by Satan? Will you ever be overcome? Will he Can he rob anything? From, no, he can't. You're already an overcomer through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Look what it goes on to say. Again it says. An authority was given to him. To the Antichrist. Over every tribe. Tongue and nation. And all who dwell. On the earth. And I believe that that. There is speaking of both Jew and Gentile. Will worship him. All who dwell. On the earth will worship him will worship the antichrist will worship the beast whose names have and i want you to make note of this underline it whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world those who have not been written When you give your life to Jesus Christ, your name gets written in the Lamb's book of life. It can't be taken out. There's not a, it's it's not, it can't be erased. You have the confidence that when you give your life to Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Those that are going to be worshiping the Antichrist are those whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then our closing verses for this uh, study this morning, 9 and 10. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. When did we hear words like that? All the way back in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the seven letters to the seven churches, they all end with, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Here we read, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. And he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith again of the saints. The focus of chapter 13 is upon two different beasts. There is the Antichrist... But there is also another beast that we're going to look at next week. The beast also known as the false prophet. And both of these men, and I believe they're men, uh, are going to be satanically empowered by the dragon. They're going to bring death. They're going to bring deception upon this world. By the way, keep in mind, We're not here as the church, amen? We're in heaven, and we're going to see that even as we go on this morning. And so the focus of chapter 13 is these two beasts, the uh, the beast and the false prophet. We might call what we're seeing here a satanic trinity. Isn't that interesting? You see, everything that Satan does, he wants to mimic the real thing. Here we have the dragon, we have the beast, we have the false prophet. All three of them working together in deception in this world. We can find this word beast in the book of Revelation actually 36 times. Throughout this book. 16 of those times are found here in chapter 13 of this book. And so let me give you uh, just a quick breakdown. You could mark these verses. Just put a little mark. This is the breakdown of these 10 verses. In verses 1 and 2, John sees a beast coming out of the sea. And he describes what he saw. In verses 3 to 5 the beast succeeds in getting the world to follow and to worship him. In verses 6 to 8, the beast will set out to make war with the saints and overcome them and to rule over all the nations. Remember that chapter 13 is the coming together Of ten nations that are going to be formed during the tribulation period ten nations that are going to come together under a one world government and it's going to be headed up by the Antichrist himself in verses 9 to 10 it's going to be just a warning to those who have an ear to hear for they will need faith and they will need patience To endure. The tribulation period. Is going to be hard. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be harsh. It's going to bring death. It's going to bring tribulation. Heavy tribulation. Upon this earth. It's why as Christians. We should be warning. It's why we should be saying. That he that has an ear. Listen up. Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back. And we should even be praying as Christians, Lord, even so, Lord, come quickly. I'm ready, Lord. We need to. And we talked about this last Sunday night at small groups. We need to go out and we need to evangelize and we need to pray. Lord, come quickly. But we need to tell people about Christ. Today we're going to look at the beast out of the sea in verses 1 to 10. And next week we will look at the false prophet. The other beast that we're told he comes up out of the earth. One comes out of the sea. The other comes up out of the earth. In verses 11 to 18. We finished chapter 12. Last week in verse 17, look at what your Bible says. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went out to make war with the rest of her offspring. And the reason why? Because Satan had been cast down. Cast down to the earth, never to be able to return into that realm in heaven again. And Satan. He knows that his time is short. He's going to pull all the stops out, we might say, during this last three and a half years upon this earth. He knows his time is short. And by what I read here, he's angry. And he's going to go out to deceive and go out to kill. Look at your Bibles again at chapter 13, verse 1. Then I, that I there, I believe, is John. I'll give it a little disclaimer. If you have an NIV, it might read dragon. I don't believe it's the dragon that is standing on the sandy seashore here. I believe that it's John who is on the sea. On the sand, looking out upon the sea. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Now, the sea often speaks of, in Scripture, speaks of Gentile nations. And so this is the, the picture that John is seeing. This beast rising up out of the sea, and having seven heads, uh, which speak, I believe, of seven rulers, seven kings, and ten horns, and on his horns are ten crowns. And on his heads, a blasphemous name. So John here is still on the island of Patmos. He's getting this vision. He's standing on the seashore. He's seeing this beast rising up. We might have a picture of it here. Not an actual picture. But one that you can kind of get an idea of. Maybe of what John saw. He sees this, this beast that rises up, and this beast he saw coming out of the sea had these seven horns, or seven heads, excuse me, that we read about in chapter 12, verse 3 that the dragon had seven heads and ten horns. Both of these, the Antichrist and the red dragon, working together. It's also believed that the seventh head will be the seventh kingdom that will come upon this earth, that will have ten horns. And it's going to be during this period that I believe we're going to see, or this world is going to see, a revived Roman Empire that's going to consist of the ten horns. Or, looking back to the book of Daniel, the ten toes that were on that image were representative of the revived Roman Empire that would come into existence under the leading of the Antichrist during the Tribulation period. We know that the final kingdom, according to Daniel 2, will be a revived Roman Empire that Daniel saw with these ten toes. Now if you look at Revelation chapter 17 verse 9 we read here is the mind which has wisdom the seven heads and it tells us right here are the seven mountains on which the woman sits the seven heads are the seven mountains <coughs> excuse me seven mountains on which the woman sits <coughs> A mountain uh, in scripture is always, and quite often, symbolic of a nation. A mountain is a symbol of a nation or a coming world kingdom. And so we have these seven mountains. For these nations, uh, there are also seven kings. Seven mountains and seven kings. It goes on in Revelation chapter 17, uh, verse 10. It says, uh, there are also seven kings, and it tells us that five have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. And so we have these seven kings. These seven nations, five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. Five have fallen, some believe to be speaking of the five past empires that John was seeing. Probably starting with Egypt, which was really Israel's first Uh, enemy and then the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and then the Medo-Persians and then the Greeks remember Daniel saw that vision but Daniel's vision looked ahead starting with Babylon because that was the time that he was uh, living in John is looking back to the kingdoms and I believe looking back even to Egypt where uh, God's people were in the bondage of the Egyptians One is, and I believe the one is is speaking of the Roman Empire that was in existence as John was on the island of Patmos as he was uh, being given this revelation. One is, and the other has not yet come. The seventh kingdom, a future empire, we might say, for the Antichrist. Why did Daniel just see four? Because he was looking ahead. And why does John see these seven? Because he's looking back in history. He's seeing the whole panoramic from Egypt to this coming kingdom that is going to consist of these ten toes, this revived Roman Empire, the other that has not yet come uh, uh, come forth. John... uh, Again, like the dragon in chapter 12, the beast also has ten horns. Now, these ten horns that represent ten kings, they speak of strength. They speak of power. These ten kings that are going to be these ten nations, uh, this is what we are not going to see because I don't believe we're going to be here but there is going to be this forming of a ten-nation confederacy of nations. Now, if you want to see if there's any reality to that at all, you can go on and just Google that, and you can find that there are people that have already laid out a map. There are people that are already wanting to amalgamate nations and to make them one. And I believe what we're going to uh, really end up with ten, but they're going to bring these nations together, I believe, under a ten-nation confederacy of nations and ten kings we read also that on his head or heads excuse me plural a blasphemous name now it doesn't tell us what that blasphemous name is but it's going to be blasphemous against the Christ against Jesus Christ remember he's anti-Christ A blasphemous name that will be upon his heads. Something that is in opposition to God. And you imagine that? Everything that Satan does. Having even the blasphemous names upon his head. Against Christ. And look at verse 2. Now the beast... There were the Antichrist, which I saw, was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. And his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Again, looking back uh, into the Old Testament, the beast which John saw was like a leopard, and I believe it's representative of the Grecian Empire. His feet were like the feet of a bear, which is the Medo-Persian Empire, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion, speaking of the Babylonian Empire at the time. Daniel sees also this vision. It almost sounds like Daniel 7 with the... uh, what we're reading here, that they're speaking of the same thing, doesn't it? Speaking of this image that John now sees arising out of the sea. We we can read, and I'll just read it to you, in Daniel chapter 7, uh, it'll be on the screen here too. We read, And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, ...and had eagle's wings. And it's, I believe, speaking of the Babylonian Empire. I watched till its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the earth... ...and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast... ...a second, like a bear... ...which I believe is that Medo-Persian Empire... It was raised up on one side, and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise and devour much flesh. And after this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which I believe is the Grecian Empire, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, which I believe was the Roman Empire. It was dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all of the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. The Roman Empire. The description that Daniel saw of the fourth empire that was coming, the Roman Empire, is what I believe that John is seeing here on that, in this vision as he sees this beast rising up out of the sea. In Daniel 7, Verse 17, we read, Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which arise out of the earth. And so these great beasts are four kings, which come up out of the earth. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, Daniel says something else. He said, I was considering the ten horns. And there was another horn, a little horn. This is an eleventh horn. Coming up among these ten, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Who do you think we might be speaking about here in the the vision that Daniel is seeing? I believe he's looking ahead to this time that the Antichrist that little horn that's going to come on the scene, and he's going to become part uh, and, and be taking part with these ten nations or these ten horns. He's going to be one with a mouth that is speaking pompous words. Some of the words that have been attributed to these animals that we read about here in this vision or these kingdoms that we read about, are swiftness. These are are words that have been attributed to these empires. Swiftness, agility, vigilance, craftiness, fierce cruelty, brutality, and strength, and majesty. If you were to take those four kingdoms those earthly kingdoms, and see the fierceness of these kingdoms and how they attacked and how the, the, what they did. That's the description that we get of this beast that John has seen rising up out of the sea. I think that the Antichrist and these ten kings are going to be likened to these past kingdoms they're all in one it's going to be a final kingdom it's going to be a final revived Roman Empire that is going to be during and it's going to be a conglomeration of all of those kingdoms and how they were it could be also an indicator of how this final kingdom will operate under the leadership of the Antichrist Who's going to set out to destroy and he's going to wreak havoc on this earth. We're also told in verse 2 that the dragon, he gave the beast his power, his throne, and great authority. It's coming from Satan to a man who will be possessed by Satan. But it's the dragon who's giving the power, the throne, and the great authority to him. Paul also uh, wrote about the beast. He said this of him in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. He calls him the lawless one. He says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, Paul wrote with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Paul says he's the lawless one. Keep in mind that the beast or the Antichrist are going to be energized by Satan they're going to be empowered supernaturally by Satan we're going to see this as we go forward we're going to see it even in the uh, false prophet who is going to be that one that's going to come alongside the beast and lift him up and cause people to worship the beast I saw look at your Bibles verse 3 I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. You might want to make note of the two words, as if. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. Or we could say as if he had been killed or put to death. This is one of the heads, and his deadly wound, we're told, was healed. And what was the response of the world to that? They marveled. And they followed the beast. It's all it took. For him to be mortally wounded. For that mortal wound to be healed. And the world marvels. And follows after the beast. This is another one of those places in Revelation where you have a lot of differing opinions. We already read in Revelation, um, well, we read in Revelation 17, 9, that the seven heads are mountains or seven kingdoms. And some believe this head that is mortally wounded that we're reading about here is not a man, but he's a kingdom. And that this is the old Roman Empire that died out in 476 BC and now will be revived and brought back to life again under the revived Roman Empire. That's one interpretation. There are others who read this verse and they say that the beast is going to be the Antichrist that is literally killed and raised back to life again. We do read in verse 14 that the false prophet will also deceive those who dwell on the earth. How? Look at your Bibles. By those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. It appears to me that what's taking place here is probably a counterfeit I don't believe that Satan has the ability to bring life back from the dead I don't believe he can give life to the dead now some have argued or or made the interpretation that God could give Satan the power to raise somebody from the dead which he could he did with the disciples. He gave them power to raise the dead. But it appears to me that we're probably looking at something more of a counterfeit. That it appears that he has this mortal wound. And it appears to all who see that he has been, that he has been healed. That he has been made whole. That he has come back to life. And like I just read about the uh, false prophet to make an image to the beast. He's the one that is rallying the world to come and worship the beast that he was wounded by the sword and lived. Again, the counterfeits of Satan, counterfeiting even Christ's death. And Christ's resurrection. See, he's all about counterfeiting. He's all about deception. Remember what Jesus told his disciples. The number one sign of my coming was deception. Be aware that you're not deceived. Is what Jesus told his disciples. I saw one of the beast's heads as if it had been mortally wounded. To be mortally wounded is describing the beast's wound. It was appeared to be life-threatening. Some believe that when he comes into the area of Jerusalem and sets up his headquarters there in Jerusalem, in the battles that might be waging at the time, that possibly it'll be at that time that the Antichrist will be mortally wounded. Or appear to be killed. Some have said that God could give Satan this power to raise the Antichrist from the dead. But it appears to me, and this is kind of where I stand with it, that it's more of a deception than it is a real resurrection that is taking place. But I'll give it to you. You decide. However you want to read it. One translation reads this way. One of the beast's heads appeared to have been killed, but the lethal wound had been healed. Remember that it's only God that really can resurrect somebody from the dead. He's the only one that can really give life. And because of of this as being satanically controlled... We're told that, and it's really this deception, that all of the world marveled and they followed the beast. Now, how would the world marvel and follow after the beast? They would have to see it, wouldn't they? And I believe that this probably, it could very well be this is televised. You know, the day and age, you can be there on the spot. The world marvels. At what transpires here. They're watching. They're seeing this. They're amazed. They're in wonder. Full wonder. That they see that this lethal wound. Has been healed. This marveling and this amazement by the world. This is what's. Amazing to me. Is that it causes the world to worship. Look at verse 4. So they worship the dragon. They worship Satan. Remember that's who the dragon is. They worship the dragon. Who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying. Who was like the beast. Who was able to make war with him. This world ruler will be what many are waiting for. They're going to worship Satan. And this is one of the reasons I think that this is the resurrection of a a man, not just a kingdom, as some have interpreted. I don't believe it's going to be the resurrection of the Roman Empire. I believe it's going to be the resurrection of the beast. And whether that's literally or or whether it's just deceptively, that could be called into question. But I believe it's going to be deception. And here's the world worshiping Satan because a kingdom or because this Antichrist has come back to life. They worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. Just think what it will be like when the church is removed from this earth. The church is in heaven, and here you have the beast. Here you have the false prophet. Here you have him having free reign. He's been cast down to earth, having free reign on this earth. And just think what that's going to be like in the worshiping of Satan, the Satan worship that will be here on this earth. Without no, With no restraints from the church at all anymore. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. But in the life and the heart of a Christian. The church has been removed. John hears their worship. Who is like the beast? In other words. No one compares to him. Who is like him. Is what they're worshipping. Who is like the beast? Who compares to him? Who is able to make war with him? And even his military power, even his political power, no one has ever seen anything like this. Can you see the deception? And many are going to be brought into this full deception that this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the man we've been waiting for. And the beast foretold in verse five was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for forty-two months, for three and a half years. He was given authority. He was given the power to continue for the three and a half years. The beast. Was given a mouth that was speaking great things. And great things is translated actually proud words. He was given a mouth that could speak proud words. And pompous words to the people. I believe it's going to be probably televised. The whole world is going to hear this man. The one they've been waiting for. The one they are now worshipping. And really in that. Worshipping Satan. He's going to be a great orator. And not only does he. Blaspheme against God. But he's going to have pompous words. That are going to deceive many. He's going to be a man. With great charisma. One who's given this. Mouth by Satan. To speak these. Words that are just going to get to the very heart of people and they're going to worship. He's given this authority to continue. And then we read in verse 6, so he, the beast, we're told, opened his mouth. And the tense of the word there is that he continued to open his mouth. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. It's going to be part of his speech, we might say, as he continued to blaspheme God. To blaspheme, we're told, his name. And to blaspheme his tabernacle. And to blaspheme those who? Those who dwell in heaven. He's not blaspheming those who dwell on the earth. He's blaspheming those who dwell in heaven. Who might that be? Satan hates you. Satan will blaspheme you. And then we're told the beast blasphemes these four things he blasphemes God, his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It sounds to me like the beast is upset. Wouldn't you say? And so it was granted in verse 7. Or it was given by God to him. To make war. Or to go to war. And with the saints. With the saints. And to overcome them. And authority was given to him. Over every tribe. Tongue and nation. You see, unless that authority and that power is given by God, Satan can't do anything. He's on a short leash. He can't, he can't do whatever he wants. God grants power and authority. Even to evil nations. Even against his own people, Israel. God allowed nations to come in and oppress and still does today the nation of Israel the people whom he loves it makes us ask the question how could it be that God would grant permission for the beast to overcome the saints why would God uh, grant that there will be some that will be overcome by the beast. There are going to be many Jews and Gentiles that are going to be killed under the leadership and the armies of the beast. Authority given him over every tribe, which is every people, tongue, and nation. And in verse 8, And all who dwell on the earth will worship Him, the beast, whose names have not been written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We have all been designed by God to worship something. All of us. You're worshiping something in your life. It's by God's very design that we will worship something. And you either are worshiping the God that created the heavens and the earth, or you're worshiping the God of this world. There's really no in-between. You see, somebody that doesn't know Christ is being led around by the God of this world. We're to be led of the Lord. But we're all going to worship, and this world will worship something. And if it's not God, then the only alternative is Satan. That's why the whole world is going to erupt into worship. Because it's within man's makeup to worship. And they're going to worship Satan. If it's not the God of heaven, then it will be the God of earth. If it's not the things of God, then it will be the things of this earth that they will worship. The options are not many. Man is either worshiping God or he automatically defaults to worshiping and following Satan. There really is no other option. It's what this world will be during the tribulation period after the church is removed. We also know that these are not believers because it says their names have not or never have been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That book contains your name if you're born again, if you know Christ. In Revelation 17, 8, and we're drawing to an end here, the beast that you saw Was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written, here it is again, in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. And John closes. This section on the beast, his vision, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. These are warning words. Warning for all who would read it. And just think of those who might read it during the tribulation period. If you have an ear, listen up. Words of warning. I want to leave that chapter opened on your coffee table. Highlighted. If you have it here, listen up. If you see this man that's mortally wounded come back to life again, it tells you right here what's going to happen with him. He finishes with... He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. and He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. And then he tells us, here is the patience or the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Knowing this, knowing that Putting your faith in Jesus Christ is what will keep you from the hour of trial and tribulation that's going to come upon this earth. It gives us that assurance, doesn't it? uh, That we know that we're not going to have to endure the suffering that this world is going to suffer. But it should compel us. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Tell people about Christ. If you want the Lord to come quickly, then go tell more people about Jesus Christ. And pray. Lord, come quickly. Let that be part of your prayer. Don't be afraid of it. Lord, I'm looking forward to your return. God, give me opportunity to open my mouth for you. Because that day is going to come. And we're going to be in the presence of the Lord for eternity. Let's have the the worship team come up. Next week, it's going to be the false prophet. Verse 11 says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon false prophet read ahead read ahead going forward i think it's always helps if you read your bible ahead and you know when you come in here you've already spent some time in that you're gonna go wow okay i get that more so spend time reading through even the things that we've already looked at already read just take and read maybe you've missed some of these studies go back onto the website And bring them up. They're all recorded. They're all on the church website. You can listen. But it's important for you to be able to hear it all. And so, let's all stand.